0: Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. Romans chapter 6, it says, Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? Oh, Pastor, Pastor Rose said the S word. That's right. Well, then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? What does it say? Of course not. Look at a person next to you. Tell him you bugging. Since, that's, like the, that's like the ancient translation right there. Of course not. You bugging. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Oh, have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ, Jesus in baptism, we joined him in death. For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Such a powerful scripture. Uh, Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3 it says and this water symbolized and this water symbolized baptism that now saves you also not the removal of dirt from the body but for the pledge of a clear conscience towards God it saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ such a good scripture many were excited to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ last Easter Sunday, amen? And so this is why Easter Sunday exists, so that baptism in the lives of individuals can also exist. If I can get more monitor. And it says, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Can we bow our heads just for a few moments? Dear Father, we come before you. And we're just so grateful that you are here in this place, God. That you speak to our hearts, Lord Jesus, that you are transforming and renewing our minds even right now, God. Father, we pray that, Lord, that that we may encounter you in a special way. That this may not just be a word of of information that we obtain and kind of walk out of here just being full of more knowledge. But this may be a word that we walk out of here being more full of you, that our hearts may be transformed, that our lives may change, that this may carry into our Monday. In Jesus' name, we thank you, God. I I am so grateful that I am the father of some amazing children. I get to pastor an amazing church community. And I'm married to the most amazing woman on the planet, Lisa Remedios. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's people shout, Amen. One more time, can you give it up for Jesus? All over this room, come on, give it up for Jesus. And so I've been married five years now. And uh, one of the things that you will learn five years married is that what the person that you are married to, they have some significantly important things in their lives. What you would also discover is that the same things that are important to them are not important to you. And so for my wife and I, one of the beautiful things that we discovered as a married couple is that we have different love languages. Now, a great thing is that we share a common love language, and there's a book by Gary Chapman called the five love languages and one of them is physical touch those are the kind of people that you can't they're huggers all right that you just Amir doesn't like huggers we're praying for Amir Amir is not physical touch now if you met me you would know I'm physical touch hey God bless you how's everything how are you everything good how's everything um it's physical touch. There's words of affirmation. That's me. I'm words of affirmation. All you got to do is touch me and tell me I look good. And I'm a happy camper right there. That's it. Physical touch and words of affirmation. Just keep the compliments coming. You look good today, Pastor Ro. I love that shirt. Those are some awesome shoes. Amen. God bless you. I got a word for you today. I'm <laughs> Just kidding. And uh, my, see, like my wife, though, hers is physical touch, right? But it's also quality time. Like for me, quality time is not important, but for my wife, all she wants to do is sit on the couch with her husband and just spend time communicating and talking and talk about the lilies and the flowers and whisper butterfly nothings and and I got to be honest, quality time for Pastor Rowe is you're just in the same house as me. That's quality time for Pastor Rowe. I'm like, she's like, "Hey, are my kids home?" I'm like, "I don't know, but you've been home all day." Yeah, I don't even I haven't even checked their room. Just it's just—it's just not important to me, and so there are so many things that are important to my wife. That after five years, I realized that these things are super important to my wife. And if you are a good husband, you will learn what are the things that are important to your wife, even though they do not mean absolutely anything to you. And so for me, they don't mean nothing. But I know what's important to my wife, and. It's important to my wife to take off your shoes when you walk into the house. It's important to my wife to use two different sponges when you do the dishes and clean the counter. It's important to my wife to ensure that when you lay on the bed, it is not with clothes that have first touched the air outside. It's important to my wife that you use a different broom for the inside of the house and not the outside of the house. It's important for my wife these things. And so we've been fighting about a plan for the last three weeks and this is the plant right here this plant has been dying for five years and and what what she's been she's been uh trying to revive this this plant needs to get baptized because it needs to experience resurrection this plant has been dying on my counter for five years and I'm like honey could we get rid of this diabolical plant could we just get rid of this plant because this plant gets in my way when I'm cutting up my sweet potatoes to make sweet potato fries. Baby, this plant is cutting is getting in my way when I'm trying to use my new spiral machine so that I can make zucchini spaghetti. This plant is getting in my way when, I'm, when I want to make vegan ranch dressing using cashews and a food processor. See, if I want to say steak, bacon, all oh, you guys will get all excited. But fruits and vegetables don't get you excited. We need a deliverance session today. It gets in my way. And I'm like, can we just get rid of this thing that I have? And then, and then what happens is the worst because her and the plant tag team on me. And she starts talking to the plant. And I'm like, can we get rid of this thing, please? I'm done with this plant. It's in my way. I'm trying to, wait, be careful with the plant right, baby? Right. You're alive. You're not dead. You're alive. How are you? Good morning. Good afternoon. Yeah, the big bag wolf. He doesn't like you. And this plant... Jane, you laughing too? Jane is smiling. Come on, somebody. And this plant is, is just so... And then my wife tells me, no, that plant was given to me by my mother, or it was the last gift I received before my mother died. And then, of course, I feel terrible because this plant is important to my wife. And so now it needs to be important to me, but it's not important to me. It's important to her. The reason I talk about, I use the language of importance is because I think many times... uh, I struggle when I look at scriptures and I'm like, God, why is this important to you? Why is it important to you? In the same way that this plant is so important to my wife and there's so many things that she can explain to me of why it's important to her. I I just sometimes can't wrap my head around the things that are important to my wife. And sometimes she can't wrap her her head around the things that are important to her Or important to me, and she's like, Why do you need compliments all the time? I'm like, I don't know. You don't need to give me compliments. I could compliment myself. (laughs) Words of affirmation people know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're a words of affirmation purpose, you look in the mirror and you say, Look what the Lord has done. (laughs) Amir never gave a nugget today, and he was like, Yo, this is gonna be the best nugget ever given in all of Cruel history. (laughs) It's gonna be huge. It's gonna be huge. (laughs) And so I'm like, why is this so important? Why is it so important for God that his people be baptized? Why is it so important for God that his people identify with him? And that's one of those things about baptism, that baptism is not something that we can simply do because it is tradition. Baptism is not something we kind of kind of go just go with the motion and it's like yeah we we we're, we're getting baptized cuz this is what we're we're supposed to get baptized I guess right like i i'm supposed to like jump in this water that is freezing cold because that's what i was told thank you so much that's what i was told that i had to do growing up and it'll make my parents proud and it, it make my family members proud but i want to be honest with you baptism is not something that you do based upon someone else's convictions. See, baptism is actually an outward expression of an invisible reality. See, baptism is to say that I am going to express on the outside or respond on the outside that which what God has done on the inside. See, baptism first takes place in your heart before it is expressed with your actions. And so when we talk about baptism today, I don't want us to look at it as, well, this is just tradition, or this is something my parents did, or this is someone my friends did, because faith doesn't operate based upon the convictions of someone else. See, faith is actually activated when in the inside of your being, in the profound, in the the deepness of your heart, where, where your core lies, you say that it is no longer I who live, but it is Jesus Christ who lives in me. I've taken a change for the best. I am following Jesus. He is not only my creator. He is not only my savior, but he is my Lord. He is my author. He is my finisher. He is everything and anything that I need in my life. Jesus is all. So Jesus, So this is not like one of those things we just do. You know, like growing up, we had this thing called el cuco. And el cuco was this, almost like this old wives tale. I don't even know if that's accurate, but it's like this saying, well, if you, I mean, our parents, I don't know what in the world, but our parents thought it it would be fit to let their kids know that if they did not behave, parenting was not enough. There was this dark God called el cuco. And the way you would summon this God is by knocking on the wall. And that, he never came. See, some of you guys are traumatized right now. You guys are scared that I might knock on this wall. Half the church is going to boast. <laughs> See, this is not what baptism is. It's not just this kind of story that we kind of pass down. It's not like, you know how they say, if, You know, something's true is that when you say it, it falls on the floor. Oh, you know, that's true. It's not like when someone's talking, when you hear your left ear ring, someone's talking bad about you, and you hear your right ear, did I get them confused? Yeah. My right, right, right? So my right ear, someone's talking good about you. That's not what baptism is. It's not superstition. It's not like, the Bible says that baptism is when repentance has taken place in your heart when God has transformed you on the inside. Now, it doesn't mean that you become perfect when God transforms your heart. It means you have changed directions in life. It means that I'm not no longer going to walk towards the way of the world, but I'm going to... And when I talk about world, oftentimes preachers get this confused and they talk, think that the Bible talks about the world as a world of people. And so we make enemies of people but it's actually a world system and a world philosophy and world ideologies and he says don't conform to the ways of the world's system but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that's what baptism is it is saying that i'm going to change my mind and i'm no longer going to follow the world system i'm going to follow the kingdom mentality which is what Jesus came to establish on earth. But what happens is, is that oftentimes, there is so much momentum from the world system that we have have saturated ourselves with, that even when we come into the kingdom of God, we take that baggage with us. But God says, leave that place and come step into a new place. And so why baptism? Number one, I want you to write this down. It's because of grace. See, baptism is a symbol of God's grace. Someone shout grace. Grace. Say grace. Look what it says. It says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? I love Paul. Paul was a radical. Paul was real. He's like, Paul was preaching a message so good. Watch this. Catch this. His message was so powerful, it made people even think you could get away with sin that, his message was so good that people had to ask the question, you mean to tell me that God's grace is so good I could keep on sinning and that's how, how that's how his thing works? He says, no, he goes, so shall we continue sinning? In other words, he was preaching a message so good that it sounded like you could keep sinning. That's how good the message was. That's what the gospel is. The gospel is known in the original language as the almost too good to be true news. It's only used maybe three times in ancient literature outside of the Bible. Catch that. In other words, this word gospel is never used outside of the Bible in ancient literature other than about two or three times. It means this is so good news, it seems unfair. It seems like, no, this cannot be. And so he was preaching us so good news that people were like, yo, this this grace of God sounds real good right here. He's like, you mean to tell me that God forgives me no matter how much I sin? You mean to tell me that where sin abounds, God's grace, watch this, more abounds. You mean to, he goes, wait, 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 wait. He goes, maybe you got it mixed up here. See, God's grace doesn't excuse you to live a life that's lesser than what God has called you to live. God's grace actually equips you to rise up to the standard of living that God has called you to live. Come on, if you're going to clap, clap for real. <laughs> See, it doesn't excuse you to live a lesser life. You know what sin is? Can I be honest? Sin in the original language means to miss the mark. And it's not just actions of sin. It is a lifestyle of sin. In other words, it is, it is to say, when we talk about baptism and we talk about repentance, it's to say I'm going to leave the land where sin is king and I'm going to step into the kingdom where Jesus is Lord and Savior. I'm going to grace country. Go, somebody shout grace country. Grace country. See, and now, now watch this. Now, when you follow Jesus, even though you fall, you get up seven times. Why? Because you're following Jesus. It doesn't mean that I my relationship with sin is different. My relationship with people is different. I don't just sin and just kind of like, I, 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 I look at my sin and I say, God, thank you for your forgiveness. And I turn away from it. Are you following me? Did I get too deep for you? I hope not. <laughs> dale, papi, dale, papi. And so look at it. Look what, look what, can we put it in the message translation? I like, I like the way Eugene Peterson says it. And he says, he says, so what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. If we've left a country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our, in our old house there? Or didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? Someone shout for good. That is what happened in Baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind, and we came up out of the water. We entered into the new country of grace, a new life in a new land. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into water, it is like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it is like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us are raised into a light-filled world by our Father. that we can see where we're going in our new grace, sovereign country. It is to say that, hey, you are leaving your house and walking into God. Does it mean that when you walk into God, you walk perfect? No. You will fall short. You will mess up. You will sin. You will drop the ball. But when you follow Jesus, he's there to pick you up. It's not like I live this careless life. It's saying God has changed. That's where this word called repentance comes. It's it's the word metanoia. Everybody shout metanoia. The Greek word metanoia means to change your mind, to transform the way you think about something. Amen? It is like me getting married, watch this, and still living a single life. Now, does it mean that when I get married, I'm going to be the perfect husband? No but I'm in the direction of becoming the husband that God has called me to be. See, I can't, I can't marry this gorgeous, come here, baby. I can't, ma- hey, baby. can't marry this gorgeous woman and still think that I can live. It's like, now, now, watch this, watch this. Some of you guys, the, the difference is that some of us, we like, oh, man, then I'm not ready for this yet. No, what you don't understand is that when you start following Jesus, he makes you ready. He makes you ready. All you got to do is keep following him. All you got to keep doing is going after him. And you, Hey, you might drop the ball, but you'll you get right back up. You're headed in the right direction. Amen? Amen. Number two, write this down. Obedience. Shout obedience. Jesus commands us to be baptized. I love it because when Jesus calls us to obedience, he's not calling us to do something simply so that let me just make sure you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And we don't, in this society, in this generation, man, obedience is like, oh, what do you mean obedience? You ain't my daddy. Right? I, I, I didn't have a father from 14 and up, and a stepfather came into the picture, and he shut off the TV on me one day. Wrong move, brother. I haven't had a father in two years. You're going to come and shut off the TV on me? You You crazy. That was Reuben's dad, right? That was Reuben's dad? So we think obedience, but sometimes obedience is actually the difference between you barely making it to heaven and you living the abundant life of heaven here on earth. It's this word called obedience. See, there are problems that you will face in life because of obedience. But there's problems that you will face in life because of disobedience. I want to be the kind of person that I'm willing to deal with the problems and the challenges in my life because I chose to obey God. See, sometimes we promise this uh, problem-free life and we want to accept Jesus in our hearts because everything is going to be perfect. No, you it will cost you something to obey God. But it will cost you much more to disobey. Not because he's going to punish you, but when, when I tell my children, don't go down that route, I don't need to punish them. They're disobedience enough ends up in a place that they are paying for their disobedience. I want to be the kind of person that lives the kind of life that says, I'm, good. I'm, I'm willing to face any problem that comes my way but because I chose to follow Jesus. And Jesus says to his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them. He says, this I command you, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know what name that is? That is the name of Jesus Christ. Jehovah, our God. Jesus, he is our Savior. He says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's three in one right there. He says, baptize them. That is a command. He's saying, listen, I want you to walk in your, in the obedience I've called you to do. When you place your faith in Jesus, This is the kind of scenario here. This ring doesn't make me married, does it now? Right? It doesn't make me married. But the moment I choose to put this ring away, it doesn't make me married. What does it do? It symbolizes my covenant. It symbolizes my commitment. My yes to Lisa. The problem is That oftentimes, when we put our ring away, we have to start looking within ourselves and saying, okay, am I being obedient? See, Because I'm proud of what God has done for me. I want to be everything that God has called me to be. And in order for me to do that, I must walk in in obedience. And if you place your faith in Jesus, the first telltale sign of a believer professing his faith is water baptism. It's saying, God, God, I know that I'm not perfect. I know that I'm not complete. But I know that there's something happening in my heart that I haven't experienced before. Therefore, I say I do to you. I will put on the ring. I will jump in water. It doesn't matter because I want to profess to you that you are my Savior. You are my God. You are my Redeemer. You are everything that I need. Amen? Second, number two, number three, model Jesus was baptized. See, what Jesus asks you to do can only be done through him. And it it is also modeled by him. I love Jesus that Jesus doesn't tell you do as I say. He says do as I do. See, when Jesus tells you to do something and he calls you to do something, he also says I'm going to show you how to do it. Not only am I going to show you how to do it, you cannot do it apart from me. So let me do it through you. you. You want to know how to be faithful? Let Jesus do it through you. You want to know how to break the addictions in your life? Let Jesus do it through you. Don't try to muster up this self-courage. And, that will last for a while. That dedication will last for a while. But when God does it in you, man, it is not you who does it. It is the Holy Spirit of God doing it through you. You want to break addiction? Let the Holy Spirit do it in you. I was addicted to stuff for over a decade. I felt like it was going to destroy my life, destroy my marriage, destroy my children. But when the Holy Spirit came into my life and I allowed him to do it through me, Everything else changed. Amen? Last but not least, number four, identity. Jesus gives you a new identity. Jesus gives us a new identity. I want to read to you the definition of identity. Hear this. The state or fact... Of remaining the same one under varying aspects and conditions. Look at this second definition. Watch this. The condition of being oneself and not another. I want you to catch this. The con- being oneself and not another. Being oneself and not another. I want to ask you today how many yous are there huh. See I think I think many times as much as we think we know who we are there are so many aspects of us that we have allowed to define who we are instead of what God has declared over our lives See because when we are in a when we are in one place we are somebody else and when we are in another place We are someone else. When we come to church, we're somebody. But the moment we walk out of church, we're someone else. See, But this is what God says. God says, I give you a new identity. Your new identity is not simply meant to be displayed in the house of God, but it's meant to be displayed wherever we go. Being who you are, who God calls you to be, every step of the way, no matter what situation you're in, you can't be one person in church, you cannot be one person when things go good and be another person when things go bad, but that's called life, right? That's called just living, that's called being human, but God didn't just call us to be human, he called us to be supernatural, and the only way we can be supernatural is when we embrace God's identity over our life. Guess what? Pastor Roe is not qualified to be leading some of the people that I have led in my life. But when I tap into the supernatural, I'm able to see things that people with college educations way much past mine don't see. I'm able to speak into people's lives that are way more qualified than I am. But because I have a new identity. And when you place your faith in Jesus, you have a new identity. See, I love what God tells Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1. He says, wow, now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before, watch this, before I started putting you together in your mother, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart as holy. See, who is it that you were before you were born that God knew? today is who you think you are. I'm going a, I'm to a wreck somebody. There's going to be identity crisis happening today, but that's okay. Because today we begin to identify who we really are. He says, he says Jeremiah, before you were born, before you were one years old, before you were a two-year-old boy, Before you were a three-year-old kid, I knew you and I formed you based upon the image I already had of you. when you begin to form something, there's already a picture in your mind. When you begin to draw something, there's already a picture in your mind and you were in the mind of God when he started forming you. And so when God started forming you, he started forming you with the intentions he had for you in his heart. And so he starts putting you together based upon the image he already has of you. But now we are born and life happens and situations happen and we become abused and people declare things over our lives and then we begin to identify with the the mistakes we've made in life and guess what? Now this is who we are. God saying, no, 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 no. You got it all wrong, my friend. Before you were born in the mother's womb, I knew you. I knew you before you were born. This person that you are today is the person that life has made you. But the person that I've called you to be, I know because you were in my mind before you even came out of your mother's womb. You were in my thoughts before. You were even birth, And so I formed you to be the image, the intentions. And I placed in you giftings. And life has then somehow created you to be this person that Doesn't look quite like what I intended it to be. But this is where Jesus comes into the world. And that's why Jesus had to be born. So that when you were born and life did what it did to you, Jesus could be born and life could do what it did to us. But you couldn't redeem the world. So Jesus had to be born and then take everything that would have happened to you and live a perfect life that you could not live. He could live a life that was unfazed of the world so that he can give you the life and he could die the death that you should have died so that you can live the life that we never would deserve. So here's where he gives you a fresh start. By the way, I can't see any of you, I just see blurry. There you go. This is, this is what baptism is, church. It's not just getting wet. It's not just submerging ourselves in water. It's saying that God is giving me a brand new start. He's giving me a brand new Fresh start in life. Isn't it crazy about life? We don't we don't get no pre-life experience. Like we're just kind of like thrusted into this world. Poof. Doctor smacks your butt. What the? we get no do-overs in life, right? Like where's my practice run, right? Where's my practice? I gotta, you know, let me get warmed up real quick. Now you don't get that in life. You just get one shot until you meet Jesus. And that's why he says you can be born again. Because you were born in the waters when you were birth of your mother. But baptism symbolizes a birth that is taking place in your life. And he's saying, I'm willing to give you a fresh start. I'm willing to give you a brand new start. Because the person that you were before you were in your mother's womb can now be born again. You can be born again. What? And Nicodemus says in John chapter 3, he says, what? If, If Nicodemus was Hispanic, he'd be like, You mean to tell me I can go back into the womb of my mother? Asha. He says, you mean to tell me I'm a fully grown man? I'm gonna go into the womb of my mother? He said, What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Is born-again stuff? He goes, No, 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 no. Nicodemus, what you don't know is in a few moments I'm gonna die for you. What you don't know is that when I die for you, I'm actually giving birth to the new you. And this is why he says, baptism a form and a symbolization of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it is not no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. If you believe that, give God some praise in his house. I want to speak to you today. If you could just close your eyes for a second. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.